Hi everyone, it's good to be able to connect with you in this way, a somewhat unusual way of connecting, but something which we're getting used to in these incredible days. Heather and I are doing well. Uh, we're not going out that much and we're not getting to see many people, which is really hard. Um, there are restrictions in place here and have been for many weeks. But sadly, uh, the virus is spreading much faster than what it has done in the past. Uh, more people are dying and infection rates are increasing rapidly now. And although there's been restrictions in place, the reality is in this part of the world, people have to work. Someone said that they will either die of the virus because they're continuing to work and be among people, or they will die of starvation. And they would rather choose the risk to work and make a living for their family. And that's the reality in this part of the world for many. But we are <laughs> doing all right in all of this. We're knowing God, he's helping us, and we're valuing the opportunity to connect with many people through the internet. We hope that airports will open soon and we'll be able to see many of you. And that word hope is a word that I think a lot of us are using these days. It's something we turn to in times of uncertainty, in times of fear and difficulty, that we hope things will be different. We hope that things will come to an end. We hope that we will be safe. Um, and many of you would have said similar things. And it's that word hope that I want us to talk about today, because it's actually something the New Testament writers talk a lot about. And we're going to read from the letter of 1 Peter. Uh, the context that Peter was writing in uh, has similar themes to what we're facing today. He's writing to churches right across a particular region. And those churches were living in times of uncertainty. There was the powerful Roman Empire in place. So there were difficulties and oppression. Persecution was coming. And many of the churches and people in the churches were being persecuted, sometimes through situations at work, by being treated unjustly or by being persecuted by family members. It wasn't always the state, um, the empire that was doing the persecuting. So Peter is writing to encourage followers of Jesus at a time of pressure, uncertainty and difficulty. We don't always realise that in the New Testament, people faced many challenges which are becoming more usual for us. People didn't necessarily have long lives. There wasn't great health care. There were plagues and diseases that could just sweep through a community. And so it's this situation that Peter is writing into. And he talks about hope. This is from the first chapter, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 6. And you'll see how quickly he turns to this theme of hope. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. 
In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. <clears throat> so Peter is writing to encourage and strengthen followers of Jesus in their churches at this time of uncertainty and difficulty. And right away, he says to them, remember your salvation, praise God for your salvation. And uh, in those verses, he's not talking so much about forgiveness of sins. He's not talking about restoration of our relationship with God often the things we talk about in salvation and they are there in the letter and there's hints of them in those verses but what he wants the believers to remember is they've been born again their salvation has made them new into a living hope he's reminding them of what their salvation means that there is hope and it's because of Jesus's resurrection that there is hope because Jesus has been made alive because death didn't keep him in the grave which means there is life after death and as Peter says in those verses there is an inheritance for us when the salvation comes in full that gives us hope and we need to remember that for Peter this isn't theoretical He's not writing about a doctrine, an, an idea. He's writing about something far more than that. When he talks about living hope, it's something he personally has experienced. Peter was there when Jesus was arrested. Peter was there when Jesus went through a trial that had false accusations. Remember, Peter, along with the rest of the disciples, were believing that Jesus was the Messiah. They had hope that Jesus was going to rescue God's people from Rome. And so when Peter watched Rome crucify Jesus on the cross, Peter went from hope to hopelessness and disappointment and fear. In fact, Peter was so confused and so lost by what was going on that he even denied ever knowing Jesus. There was such fear in Peter, he was worried for his own safety. So he said, I've never been with Jesus. When people asked him, he was without hope. He experienced disappointment. He experienced the difficulties and pain and the confusion of watching the powers of injustice and oppression put Jesus on the cross. For Peter, it looked like the story that he had so much hope for was coming to an end. He hoped that Jesus was going to fulfill the Old Testament promises of righteousness and justice coming. But instead, Peter watched with his own eyes as the powers of injustice, as the powers of oppression put Jesus on the cross and Jesus died. On that day, it looked like injustice Political power, military might had won. But then that was Friday. And as we know, on Sunday, everything changed. The women came back from the tomb where they'd gone to wash Jesus's body and 
get him ready properly for burial, they found he wasn't there and they rushed back to the disciples to tell them. And Peter runs as fast as he can to the tomb to see what is happening. And he realises Jesus isn't there. And he goes back and is in the room with the rest of the disciples when Jesus suddenly appears to them all. And in that moment, everything changed for Peter and all the disciples. They experienced living hope coming to them again. They realised that injustice and oppression hadn't won. There was something more powerful. Death could not keep Jesus in the grave. God's power had raised him to life. Although Rome was powerful, although the religious authorities had used their power to influence the Roman governors, there was another power at work, and it was the power of a righteous God. On the Friday, what we call Good Friday, it looked like injustice had triumphed. On the Sunday, Peter and the rest of the disciples realised a righteous God had won. So when Peter talks about hope, it's something personal for him. It's not simply a doctrine or a theological statement. Of course it's those things. But for Peter, it's life. It's a living hope. It's something he has experienced where he went from disappointment, pain, confusion into a place of hope and understanding that God's power defeats oppression and unrighteousness. Everything changed for him that day. And he's writing to these churches and these followers of Jesus to remind them that this hope is real. It's a living hope. It has power. It brings life. It brings strength and energy. And although those churches that Peter's writing to are experiencing suffering and uncertainty and injustice, Peter is saying this isn't the end of the story. There's a better ending. Remember, injustice and suffering, sickness and uncertainty, they do not win. Jesus is raised and we will be raised with him. So even if death comes, even if you're suffering, results in death, even if people you know who are followers of Jesus lose their lives through persecution or sickness, the end of the story is resurrection life. Churches have hope, living hope. Paul writes similarly in Ephesians chapter 1 where he's praying for the church. He says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. It's the same themes, the same language, Paul is praying for the Ephesians church, praying that the eyes of their heart may be opened to see the incredible hope that they've been called to. The same themes of inheritance, of resurrection power. It's alive. 
The same power that God used to raise Jesus to life is the power that's working in us. The writers of the New Testament wanted the church living in difficult and dangerous times to understand the power of the resurrection in their daily living. Not just something which happened at the end, but something which can make a difference and a change now. And this is so relevant to the situations that we are now facing, the situations happening in the nations where we live and the cities and towns where we are. This hope is living because it's the new life of our salvation working in us, the power of God in us. And suffering and uncertainty and the virus doesn't stop that. Nothing can stop the power of God working. But it's also living hope because we have been brought into the full story of Scripture and all the promises that God gave his people. The promises given to Abraham that the whole world will be blessed. The promises given to the prophets that righteousness and justice will come. The promises that the prophets make about how deserts will spring into life and where there is no life and where there is death, suddenly life comes and there's living water in the desert. These are the promises that God's people lived with. And Peter in chapter two says, we've been brought into these. These are now true for us. This is also why we have hope. In verses nine and 10, he says this, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Peter is saying you've been made a people, the church, God's new community, brought into the whole story from the beginning of the Garden of Eden through Abraham and Moses and the prophets and all of those promises of God's purposes and what he's going to do, they now apply to you and they're now for you. The church is a community of hope. The church is a place where there's living hope, resurrection life flowing in and through the church. That's what we are and that's what we are to be to our communities around us and places of work and families in the streets where we live. At this time, we can feel overwhelmed, overcome with fear, anxiety, worries for our families, for our future, for our work. Goodness, there are huge, significant things happening. Of course, the uncertainty can cause us to be fearful and anxious. And we can want to retreat and just be in a safe place. I'm not talking about social distancing. It's been right to be in a safe place, but I'm talking about in our spirits, in our hearts, thinking that let's just hang on, hoping something will get better or hoping this will change. Now, Peter is saying, followers of Jesus, church, you have a living hope in you. So be courageous, 
no strength, no faith. Don't retreat, don't withdraw. Even though there is suffering, keep going, keep believing. There's no other letter in the New Testament that talks about suffering and difficulty more than Peter's letter. And yet Peter writes so directly and so powerful, powerfully, saying we have living hope. And that hope changes how we live. Again and again, Peter talks about living good lives, acting righteously. You see, this hope isn't only a personal comfort for us. It isn't only something that's to give us strength and to lift our heads and help us. It actually is to result in action. It's not just something spiritual. It changes how we live. Because if we are people of hope, if the church is a community of hope, then that affects what we do for one another. And in the, in the, for the lives of the people around us, it results in action. Throughout the letter, Peter is encouraging the believers to keep living righteously, even though they're being treated unrighteously, even though there is a lot to be fearful of. Peter is saying, live righteously, don't withdraw. In chapter 2, verse 12, he says this, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. In other words, our hope causes us to live righteously and other people see this and will give praise to God. Living hope causes the church to live differently, which starts to make a difference in the communities around us. Peter isn't simply writing a comforting devotional letter. He's writing a call to action in the middle of suffering and uncertainty. He's saying we have hope. It's alive in us. It's powerful. Now let's display it to the world so people see that there's a different story, that people see that oppression and unrighteousness are not the most powerful thing working in the world. But Jesus has come and righteousness and power and strength are available. In chapter 3, verse 15, Peter says, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. Peter is saying, you live like this. People will see there's something different. People will want to know, why are you so hopeful? Look what's happening in the world. Look at the news stories. Look at some of the, the stories of injustice with some police. Look at the news of the virus continuing to spread. Look at some of the political things that are happening because of that. And they see us and say, but you're not giving up. You're not being cynical. You're not being fearful. You have hope. Why is that? This hope causes us to live differently. And this living hope also means that because we're living differently, because there's powerful resurrection life working in us, we are living with an expectation of resurrection life coming 
to people around us, coming into our communities. This virus has brought much devastation. But now is the time for the church to be full of hope and to believe that we can bring new life where there's been death. New life where there's uncertainty and fear and worry. This resurrection life isn't only about what happens when we die. It's about changing things now. As we live differently, as we live with righteousness and mercy and goodness, it impacts people and communities around us. In chapter 2, verse 15, Peter says it's God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Us being good and acting righteously changes how people think and talk. Chapter 3, verse 9, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. So where there's evil, bless. Bring righteousness, bring mercy, bring goodness. Because to this you are called so that you may inherit a blessing. As the church, full of hope and in the power of God, lives righteously, brings a blessing into communities and families and people around us. So resurrection life can begin to work in those people's lives and in those communities. We're to believe for resurrection happening more and more around us, not just in us or waiting for us when we die, but resurrection life in our cities, in our towns, in our villages. Peter's vision is that in the middle of suffering, in the middle of oppression and uncertainty, the church brings life to the communities and situations around them. Some of the wickedness and injustice is overcome because instead of being pushed down and full of fear, the worshippers of Jesus have hope and don't let the uncertainty determine how they live. That's Peter's vision. Resurrection life has come. The church is a community of hope. Live differently. Be a blessing. Bring kindness and justice and mercy. And then resurrection life can come where there's been death, where there's hopelessness, where there's disappointment. This hope looks like courage. Not holding back because of fear. Reaching out to others to be kind, to love, to care. A phone call to someone to check that they're all right. Meals taken round to families who are in need. Finding needs in our communities that we think the church can help with. Having courage to act. Hope is also sacrifice. Jesus gave himself and we are to give ourselves our time, our energy, our money, our talents, sacrificing in order that God's power and life can come. This isn't about our power or our strategies. This is about us making sacrifices, saying, God, I'll, in this situation, I'll do this, but can your power come? Please, may your resurrection life come. 
Living hope looks like small things. Jesus talked a lot about seeds being sown, the kingdom of God being like small things that then grow. Sometimes we can be thinking, if we're going to make a difference, it needs to be something big. It needs to be something the news and the media will pick up on. Now, actually, Jesus's way is lots of small things. The church is a community of hope. Those followers of Jesus, acts of kindness in different places, that phone call, that food prepared, that helping someone doing their food shopping, the things that we've already done, but keep doing, but doing it with that sense of living hope that God's power is going to come. Hope looks like generosity. Generosity in what we give to people, generosity in what we do with the things God has blessed us with. And hope, living hope, looks like perseverance. Keeping on going, keeping on loving, keeping on believing, keeping on caring, keeping on helping one another, keeping on encouraging, keeping on serving into our cities, into our towns, into our communities. That's hope. Generosity, sacrifice, love, mercy, small things, and keeping on going, because resurrection will come. Jesus has risen. The end of the story is not death, uncertainty, and darkness. With Jesus, the end of the story is righteousness, light, and life. And we are to live like this. And in the communities around us, and in work, and school, and as things begin to open up again, we are to live expecting resurrection power to come. We are a community of living hope. God bless you.